tonight. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce our speaker. When I first became pastor of this church, and of course then we were over on Goldenrod, um, the youth pastor brought in our speaker. I didn't know anything about him. Um, he, uh, I believe, was a youth pastor at the time and his dad's church. And uh, he talked me into letting him stay over on Sunday. And I didn't really know this guy, but I thought, oh, okay, okay, we'll let him stay over. I still remember what you preached that morning. I could almost preach it, but uh, it was just powerful, profound. And there's no doubt in my mind that years from now, you're going to remember this night and this message too. Pastor Evangelist Jim Rayleigh, let's give him a great hand as he comes. Come on, everybody. Let's give that hand to Jesus. Will you do it? Come on, you, you were clapping that good for me. But now you're clapping for a king. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus a great, a great big praise. You know, here lately I feel like the Lord has told me, he said, just tell people to praise me according to my reputation. So let me ask you, how is the Lord's reputation here at Faith Assembly? Uh. Has he been good to you? Has he been faithful to you? Come on and lift your voice and give God praise. Uh. Oh, praise the Lord. You can be seated. I am amazingly, incredibly honored to be here. I was thinking about Pastor Carl had me so many years ago. And uh, just the fact that he opened his church to me, it was such a life-changing event for me because if Carl Stevens would have you, baby, you, you hit the high road. Come on, somebody. But I know you love Pastor Carl and Alice. Can you give your pastors a God bless you? You got the best. Pastor Johnny, we love you guys. Give the whole cow, just give your whole staff a great big God bless you. Well, I'm excited to be here tonight. How many of y'all ready to have church? How many of y'all know there's a difference between coming to church and having church? Come on. I bring you greetings from my first wife. Come on, she's my wife, my girlfriend, and my woman on the side. Can I get a witness? She, she's like the Lord. She's three in one. Come on, somebody. Next week, we celebrate 31 years of being married. She's the only woman I got. She, she's the only one I can afford. Come on, y'all. I told her, I said, baby, you ever leave me, I'm going with you. Hallelujah. In 31 years, we've never once talked about divorce. Not even one time. Not even one time. Murder, several times. Come on, y'all. But never divorce. Well, I'm excited to be here tonight. I believe God's about to do a thing. Did anybody come to have an experience with the Lord? Can I get a witness? All right, I just want to move right into this. I want you to get your Bibles and look to Exodus chapter 28 and then Leviticus chapter 8. And I'll tell you, I'm going to have church with you or without you. I'll preach myself. I'll run down and amen myself. I'll give my own altar call. Then I'll come forward myself. I'll lay hands on myself. And then I'll catch myself. Come on. 
and then I'll cover my own legs up. Come on, y'all. Are we in one of those kind of churches? How many of y'all are not going to let me have church by myself tonight? I love you guys. It's so good to be here. You know, I have this custom, and it's just something I do. Will you stand as I read the word across the room? Will you do that tonight? I feel like so often we stand for what doesn't matter. Why don't we stand for what does? Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm looking for something uncommon tonight. It's not going to be weird, but it's going to be uncommon. How many of you want God to do something uncommon? The older I get, the, the, the more I don't like weird and the more I love uncommon. Because somebody said, you know, that woman got baptized in the Holy Ghost and she got weird. Listen, that woman was weird before she ever got the Holy Ghost. Don't blame the Holy Ghost. But I want uncommon. I want a power in this room from another world. I want God to walk in here and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Miracles are about to happen in this room. How many of you are ready for whatever the Lord wants to do? Are you ready? Exodus 28, 41. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and thou shalt anoint them, look at the pronoun now, them, and consecrate them, somebody say them, and sanctify them, watch, that they, the pronoun they, may minister unto me in the priest's office. And then look at Leviticus 8, and I'm just going to read the 12th verse. It said, and he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. Here in the 12th verse, we see a personal pronoun. We see the pronoun him. There is a common anointing that the entirety of the priesthood, and I'll be teaching this in a moment, received and it gave them access to certain dimensions of the tabernacle. But there was an uncommon anointing that came on one man that gave him access into a realm where he experienced the supernatural. And I don't know about you, but tonight I would love for God to pour an uncommon anointing in this place and for us to experience the supernatural. I wanna to talk tonight about the uncommon anointing. Would you just slip up your hands? Father, we love you tonight, it's all about you. We pray that you would release a power in this room from another world. Thank you for this church and thank you for this hunger. We give you all the praise. Now somebody give the Lord the ovation of praise, come on. Come on, shout until you make your neighbor aggravated. Just give God a shout. <laughs> Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach for just a few minutes along the lines of the uncommon anointing. And I believe tonight is going to be a night of impartation. I believe that you're going to walk out of here maybe with something you didn't walk in here with. You're going to walk in here with a fresh, walk out of here with a fresh anointing. How many of you would like to have a fresh anointing over your lives tonight? Now I just read here collectively from Exodus and Leviticus. And the Bible is talking about here the time when Moses anointed the entirety of the priesthood. And in Leviticus chapter 10, or chapter 8, he anoints one man, while in Exodus chapter 28, he anoints the entirety of the priesthood. Now, in that first passage, we read about the entirety of the priesthood receiving this anointing that gave them access to certain dimensions of the tabernacle. Now, if you understand anything about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, it's full of types and shadows. It tells us things that would be fulfilled by Jesus. It, it shows us of things to come. And the tabernacle was divided up into three parts. There was the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. Now, in the outer court, 
everything that was done there, all the work that the priest did, he did in natural light. It was outside. So everything that happened there happened in natural light. It represents the flesh realm. It's the realm that says I have to see it, smell it, touch it, taste it, or hear it, or I don't experience it. And I'm afraid that a lot of the church is living only in the natural world. We got to see it, touch it, taste it, feel it, or hear it, or we don't experience it. We spend so much time in the flesh realm. But then those priests, they would go to another dimension. The secondary dimension was called the holy place. There was the outer court, the inner court, or the holy place. Now in there, everything that was accomplished was accomplished by candlelight. The priest would do all his work in that place and he would accomplish it because there was the candlestick. And he would do all his work there by candlelight. And though it represents progression, and though it represents maturing, it's like in the life of a believer. You know, we'll come to church. We might even show up for revival. But, but, but we'll praise the Lord when we feel like it. We'll praise the Lord. We'll tithe sometimes. It's just that place that represents progression, but it's not completely going in. Because in that realm, that priest still had his foot in that natural realm. Even though he was in the secondary realm, he still had his foot out there in that natural realm. Because he needed somebody to bring him bread for the table. He needed a man to bring him oil for the lamp. But one man would receive an anointing that would take him behind the veil. Now behind the veil, there was no explanation for what went on. Behind the veil in the Holy of Holies, you couldn't describe the glory and the power and the presence. Now in the secondary realm, you were, you were seeing it because it was candlelight and you had a man bringing you oil for the lamp and bread for the table. But there was a dimension that you could go into where a man didn't make it happen and a man didn't bring it. And I stopped by Orlando Faith to tell you tonight that some of you are about to step into a new place. And a man's not going to bring you this miracle. And a man's not going to bring you this breakthrough. The next things that happen in your life, you're going to have to say, God, you did it. And I give your name the glory because it was a miracle. That third realm was the realm of no explanation. And I came to tell you tonight that we still serve a miracle working God. I came to tell you tonight that God still heals. He still delivers. He still sets free. He still baptizes people in the Holy Ghost. You still have power over demons and devils. You can still speak the word of God and the word of God will bring miracles in your life. Somebody give God praise if you believe in miracles. There was the outer court which represented the, the flesh realm. The inner court where we're still depending on a man. But the Holy of Holies was accessed one time a year. In fact, isn't it something that he would go in there on the Day of Atonement? And we are just now, we're in the 10 days of all. Rosh Hashanah was, not, was last Sunday. Not this Sunday, but last Sunday. Tomorrow and Wednesday will be the Day of Atonement. And he would go behind the veil on the Day of Atonement. And when that, un, that uncommon man with that uncommon anointing went behind the veil, he experienced the supernatural. 
And I'm telling you, I believe that some of you in this room are getting ready to experience the supernatural power of God in a way that you can't even explain. See, when that priest went behind the veil, he couldn't explain the light. He couldn't explain the power. He couldn't explain the glory or the presence. And I believe that somebody is getting ready to walk into a place where you won't be able to explain how your children got saved. How the cancer dried up. How the thing got turned around. But it will be because there is a miracle working God in your life. Now, Watch this. There were eight steps that took the common man with an uncommon anointing into the realm of no explanation. Now, I'm going to take you on a little journey, and we want to finish this thing up and experience the supernatural power of God tonight. Now, the first thing I want to show you is this. Number one, God had to be first. When the children of Israel were journeying through the desert, before they would do anything else when they stopped to break camp, before they would put their own tent up, they would put up the tabernacle. Every single tent faced the tabernacle. Every single tribe camped round about the presence of God. When the children of Israel walked through the desert and stopped to break camp, before they made a place for themselves, they made a place for God's presence and everything was built around the presence of God. The first thing that went up was his place. Before anything else was erected, the place for God had to be built first. And God wanted everything to be built around him. And it's like the Bible says in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Come on now. What we like to do in our Western mindset, we like to get all these things and then add God to it. But God said, you got to put me first. God said, I won't fit on your list. God said, I've always been and I always will be. I'm preeminent. Nothing comes before me. I won't be number three, four, five, or six. He said, you put me first. He said, and if you put me first, everything else that you need will be added unto you. Build your life around God. Build your family around God. Build your finances around God. Build your marriage around God. Because I'm telling you, when you build it around God, everything else that you need will be added unto you. Somebody give God a shout if you wanna build your whole life around his presence. God said, my presence has to be first. So the first thing that happens when you're going into the realm of no explanation, when you're going into that realm of miracles, number one, you build your life around the Lord. But the second thing you've got to know is this. When the children of Israel made that camp and they faced their tents towards God's presence, three to the, then there was 12 tribes, and they camped three to the north and three to the south and three to the east and three to the west, all facing God's presence, they would come to a secondary place where they had to understand what it took to get into God's presence. When that priest was coming into God's presence, he had to come through a certain camp. Now, right in front of the tabernacle, I know that the Levites lived there in function, but there was a camp that was in front of the door. 
See, before you could come into God's presence, before you could even approach the tabernacle, you had to come through a camp. You had to come through a tribe's camp. And that tribe was Judah. Before you could even approach the door, you had to come through the camp of Judah. Come on, somebody. If you know what Judah means, Judah means praise. And God said, you can't even approach my presence until you come through praise. You gotta come through Judah. And I wanna tell you that if you're gonna come into God's presence, you can't program your way in. You can't legislate your way in. You can't dictate your way in. You can't command your way in. You can't confess your way in. The assemblies of God can't get you in. The church of God can't get you in. Come on, the Baptists can't get you in. The Methodists can't get you in. The church of God, get up, turn around, and turn yourself upside down can't get you in. Come on. Your mama can't get you in. Your daddy can't get you in. A bishop can't get you in. An elder can't get you in. But you can clap your way in. You can shout your way in. You can praise him until he says, come on in. I dare you to give God a praise right now if you know that praise is the way in. Hallelujah. If you want to come into God's presence, you got to praise him. You got to magnify him. You got to praise him until he says, now, now, now you can come in. Praise is your way in. Isn't this something? They had to come through the camp of Judah. Now, if you know anything about the children of Israel, when they were journeying through the desert, it was always Judah that led the 12 tribes through the desert. It was Judah that was always out front. Judah in the hot times. Come on, somebody. Judah in the hard times. Judah in the lean times. Judah out front in the desert. Judah leading the way. It was tough, but Judah was out front. And you can sit out there and be cute if you want to, but there's some of y'all, you know, that you only got through some of the stuff you got through. Some of the deserts, some of the hard days, some of the difficult nights, because you knew how to get Judah out front. Judah in the hard times. Judah in the lean times. Judah when things wasn't going right. I got a bad doctor's report, but I didn't stop praising God. My children lost their way, but I didn't stop praising God. I had hard days, but I didn't stop praising God. And I'm here tonight because although I lost some stuff, I never lost my praise. I lost some sleep, but I didn't lose my praise. I might have lost some friends, but I didn't lose my praise. I dare somebody that knows how to praise him, praise him right now. Uh, that gets you into God's presence, honey. That gets you into the miracle realm. It's when you praise the Lord. But check it out, with Judah always led through the desert, but it was always Judah that they would send to the battlefield first. Judah would show up, Pastor Carl, about a day before the battle would start, when they were gonna fight the Hivites, the Hittites, 
the Amalekites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites. Some of y'all been dealing with the crazy husbandites and the demon-possessed childrenites. Come on. And the nagging wifeites. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Some of y'all even been dealing with the bill collectorites. Can I get a witness? But Judah would go to the battlefield with their drums and with their trumpets and with their tambourines. And before they even threw a spear or shot an arrow, they would dance all over the battlefield giving God the glory before they even started to fight. See, anybody can praise him when the battle's over, but when you can come before the battle and say, I got so much confidence in my God. Do you know how insulted those Hivites and Hittites and Amalekites and Amorites and Canaanites and Perizzites must have been to see Judah out there dancing for the victory before they had even started to fight. It must have insulted them. And I hear you, Holy Ghost. I feel like the Holy Spirit said, why don't you go ahead and insult the devil right now and begin to praise God for victory. Go ahead and praise him like your children are saved. Go ahead and praise him like the breakthrough's already come. Go ahead and praise him like he's on your side because he is. Glory, 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 glory. I'm praising him because I've got confidence in him. I'm praising him because he's never lost a battle. I'm praising him because the Lord is on my side. I'm praising him because he's a mighty God. It's critical to understand the process. Number one, they built everything around God's presence. Come on somebody, all 12 tribes camp round about the presence of the Lord. But number two, they came through Judah. Come on, somebody. They came, they came through the camp of praise. Can I detour just a little bit? Can I talk to you about praise just a little bit more? See, something happens when you praise the Lord. Do you remember the story of David? David was crying. He was anointed to be king, but it was 15 years between the anointment and the appointment. Come on now. But what happened, before he became king of all Israel, he was crowned king of Judah first. Judah made him king first. And then a few years later, all of Israel crowned him as king. But it was like the Lord said, I'm gonna make you king of praise before I make you king of anything else. So here's the deal, David had to praise God for the partial. Maybe he didn't have it all, but he had to learn to praise God for what he had on the way to what he wanted. And just before I move on, I dare somebody right now. Maybe you ain't got everything you want yet. Maybe you hadn't seen every breakthrough you wanna see yet. But why don't you take about 10 seconds and praise God for what he's already done in your life. Come on, faith, praise him for the partial. 
Glory be to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you can give me a little bit here in these monitors. Now watch this. Number one, you had to build everything around God's presence. Number two, you had to come through Judah. Now watch this. Now the tabernacle itself, it's an amazing thing because there was a fence around the tabernacle. The fence was 400 feet around, 400 feet. And the fence was made of white linen. But there was a gate and the gate was different than everything else. See, the gate was light purple and it was red and it was scarlet. And, and the door was 30 feet wide. Who ever heard of a 30 foot wide door? Come on somebody. The door that entered into the outer court was so wide that they didn't open it, they rolled it up. So that when the priest would come in, the priest would bow on his way in. He would say, I can't heal myself. I can't deliver myself. I can't save myself. They would roll that cloth up and he would, he would bow down going into the presence of God. And I want to tell you, there was only one door. There wasn't a back door or a side door. There was only one door into God's presence. Now I know that this is not popular preaching. I know this is politically incorrect. I know a lot of preachers won't tell you this today because they're scared of you. But the truth is, I've been preaching for 35 years and I ain't scared of none of y'all. Come on, somebody. They won't tell you that there's only one door. They won't tell you that there's only one door into God's presence. See, Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved. And I know it's not popular and it may not be correct in our society, but I want to tell you that if you want to come into God's presence, there's only one way to get in. Buddha can't get you in. Muhammad can't get you in. Allah can't get you in. Krishna can't get you in. But if you want to come into the presence of God, there is one name that is above every name. There is one way in. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Somebody shout one door. There's only one door into the presence of God. We gotta preach Jesus. We gotta sing Jesus. We gotta declare Jesus. We gotta pray Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Revival is in Jesus. Salvation is in Jesus. Healing is in Jesus. Power is in Jesus. There was only one door. That door was different than everything else. It didn't look like the rest of the fence. The fence was white, but the door was scarlet and light blue and purple. It looked different than everything else. How many of y'all know, ain't nobody like Jesus? Y'all don't make me come down there. I said, ain't nobody like Jesus. Come on, y'all. I'm from LA, y'all know where LA is? That's lower Alabama, come on, somebody. I dare you to look at your neighbor. Look them right in the eye. If they won't look you in the eye, then look them upside the head. But tell your neighbor, say, hey neighbor, give me about 15 seconds to praise my Jesus. Cause there's nobody like Jesus. If you believe there's nobody like Jesus, 
If you believe America's answer is Jesus, if you believe our teenagers need Jesus, if you believe this generation needs Jesus. But, but check it out, precious. The door is 30 feet wide. Who ever heard of a 30 foot wide door? You better thank God because that's an extra wide door. He made that extra wide. So the Bible said, whosoever will. He made it extra wide. So people like your neighbor, not you, but your neighbor could get in with all the junk in their trunk. Come on, somebody. If he would have made that door small, we wouldn't have been able to get in. But he made it wide. He made it big. He made it for whosoever will. That's why when people come to church and they don't look just like you, when people come to church and you can tell that they're struggling in their sexuality, when people come to church and they're battling addiction, when people come to church and they're battling sin, we don't look down our noses at them. We don't look at them like they're not welcome. We don't act like they can't come in the house, but we let them know that the same God who opened the door for me and he opened it wide can open the door for you. Oh, Orlando needs to know that at Faith Assembly there is a door that is open wide that whosoever will can come and find redemption in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I guess what this is for all my theological friends, this is a plea for apologetic preaching because every station points us back to things that are foundational. Number one, we build our lives around the presence of God. Number two, we just learn how to praise the Lord. We gotta come through Judah. Number three, there's only one door in. But number four, when you come into the outer court, the first place you would go was a place called the brazen altar. Now, now, they had to come by the brazen altar because in typology, the brazen altar represents the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the first place that the blood flowed. It's the place of blood sacrifice. So the brazen altar represents the cross. I don't know about you, but here on this Monday night, I'm thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the place where the blood flows. Now understand that even in the Old Testament, there had to be a blood sacrifice. And I know that nowadays, our preachers, many of them think that it's inappropriate to preach about the blood. We, we shouldn't have communion anymore. We shouldn't talk about the blood anymore. If you talk about the blood, you'll scare people. If you talk about the cross and the suffering Messiah, you're gonna scare this generation. Come on, somebody. They can't handle it. Can I just say this? This generation has already watched so many vile and violent things online and on television before they ever walked through these doors. You couldn't scare them if you wanted to. Pastor Rayleigh, that's, that's just inappropriate preaching to preach about the blood. We don't want to hear about the blood anymore. We don't want to hear about the suffering of Jesus. And maybe it sounds old-timey. 
Maybe it sounds a little bit out of touch, but I still believe what can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I still believe in the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus. I still believe that we need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 9.22 says without the shedding of blood, check it out now, there is no remission of sin. The word remission is a very powerful word in the Greek. If you define it, it literally means to dismiss and send away. So with the shedding of the blood of Jesus, our sin is in remission. If you've ever dealt with cancer, what you most long to hear is that the cancer is in remission. And what they're telling you is this, we have checked every part of you. We've checked you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. We've checked your vital organs. We've checked your muscles. We've checked your mind. We've checked your blood and we've checked your bones. And we can't find any cancer at all because your cancer is in remission. It's been dismissed and sent away. And the Bible said without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Let me tell you something. The devil may try to remind you of your past. He may try to beat you down over what you did and over what happened. But I've come with good news in Orlando tonight. I want to tell you that your past is in remission. Your sin is in remission. It's been dismissed and sent away. And the heavenly father sees no sin in you whatsoever. The blood of Jesus put your sin in remission come on now the Bible said when I see the blood come on somebody I will pass over you I still Pastor Carl plead the blood over my family I still plead the blood over my children I still declare the blood sacrifice of Jesus over, over all of my kids come on my oldest is 27 now, and I'm still pleading the blood over her. Then I've got a 21-year-old, and then we adopted a, a, a little boy, and now he's 14. Can you imagine 27 all the way to 14? I, I've decided that, that, that little kids are for young people. Because there's things I used to laugh at in my 30s. I want to take a machete to it in my 50s. Come on, somebody. Y'all pray for me but I still believe in pleading the blood over my family, pleading the blood over my house because the Bible said when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Let's look at the Hebrew word Passover. If you define the Hebrew word Passover, it means to hop, it means to skip, it means to jump. How many times did the devil say, I'm gonna take her out I'm gonna kill that child in that car wreck. I'm going to destroy that family. I'm gonna destroy, I'm gonna kill that man. I'm gonna destroy that marriage. But the devil came at you. He came at your children. He came at your family. But when he saw the blood, he had to hop. He had to skip and he had to jump. There are some things that never touched you because there is wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Come on, give God a mighty praise. But, but it couldn't, 
the power of the blood is that it was the blood of the Lamb of God, of Jesus. Now, Johnny, Pastor Johnny's a great man, but Pastor Johnny couldn't die for me. Pastor Carl couldn't die for me. And I couldn't die for Pastor Carl. It had to be the blood of Jesus. You say, well, Pastor, what makes the blood of Jesus so special? Well, let me explain it to you like this. Before my wife Dawn had our children, she was pregnant. Does it work that way in Orlando? That's how we roll on the coast. Come on, somebody. Make a little noise if that's how it works in Orlando. Is that how? Okay. Now, you knew that those babies were hers because she provided for those babies. She provided a place for those babies to develop. She provided nourishment for those babies. Come on, y'all. When Dawn had a chicken wing, they had a chicken wing. Come on, somebody. I know, I know we got some Latin people in here. Hey, when, when, when Dawn had beans and rice, Come on, when, he, when, when, when Dawn had an enchilada with salsa, come on. I, listen, I'm trying there, but what I'm really good at is Southern cuisine. When Dawn had greens, come on, somebody. Y'all still like greens here? Get you some greens, not with turkey cooked in it, but with ham. Come on, y'all. And then you get cornbread to go with that. That'll, how many of y'all know that'll either bind you up or that'll set you free? Can I get a witness in here? You knew that those babies were hers because she provided a place for those babies to develop. You knew those babies were hers because she gave birth to those babies. But let me tell you something. Don't count Big Daddy out because I did have something to do with it. Oh, it's getting quiet in here now. <laughs> there are several ways to find out who the baby's daddy is. But the best way to find out who the dad is, is you need to check the blood. And if you check the blood, you'll find out that I gave them their DNA. Come on, y'all. Their deoxyribonucleic acid. Come on, y'all. I'm smarter than you think I am. I've got my PhD, my Pentecostal hairdo. Can I get a witness up in here? See, I gave them their DNA. I gave them the, their genetic fingerprint, proof that they are mine and, and I am theirs. It's the fact that my blood flows through their vein. Now let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, there was a young virgin named Mary who supernaturally conceived and you knew that the baby was hers because she provided a place for the babies to develop. But if you wanna know who that baby's daddy was, you gotta check the blood. And when you check the blood, you'll find out that it was the blood of God himself that would have power over devils, power over demons, and power over sin. One, two, three, give God a shout. Uh, so we believe in the blood, don't we? We're washed in the blood, aren't we? So number one, you build your life around God. Number two, number two, you come through one door. Number two, actually, you come through the camp of Judah. Number three, you come through one door. Number four, you have the brazen altar, which represents the place of the blood sacrifice. But number five, there was something called the brazen lever. The brazen lever was the place of cleansing. The brazen lever 
was made of the brass looking glasses of the women of Israel. In other words, when that priest would come, he had been at one dimension, but he would look over in that brazen lever, it was a bowl made of looking glasses, brass mirrors, and he would wash himself, come on. It's a picture of sanctification. He would wash himself, getting ready for the next level. Oh, Jesus. How many of you know that when you're going to another level in God, sometimes you gotta leave some stuff behind? Hello, sometimes you gotta leave some behaviors behind. You gotta leave some attitudes behind. Now the brazen lever, if you study the typology of the brazen lever, it represents the word of the Lord. Because the Bible said in Ephesians 5, 26, you gotta cleanse it, the church, with the washing of the water by the word. Now it's a picture of something we call sanctification. Come on now, it represents walking in a way that is holy before the Lord. Now I know we don't hear a lot about holy living anymore. We don't hear a lot about submitting our lives to the word of God, but it, it's a picture of being sanctified. Now the first time that the priests were washed and prepared for service, Moses, the Bible said, washed them wherewithal. But he said, the next time you clean up, it's on you. You got to go to the brazen leather. Come on somebody. Now, now see, the first time we are washed, we are washed in totality by the blood of the lamb. We are washed by Jesus, but our continual washing happens when we get in his word and we are sanctified and his word changes the way that we live. That's why you cannot live victoriously if you don't read your Bible. Sanctification happens as we submit our lives to the word. Help me, Holy Spirit. See, it's like this. The church, the church of God, there are two, two streams in this sanctification understanding. Let's go a little bit deep. The church of God believed that you are saved and then you are sanctified. So you're saved one day and then another day, one of them days you are sanctified. Hallelujah. But the assemblies of God and other Pentecostal denominations, they believe you are saved and then you are progressively sanctified. You are made a little bit more like him every day. You say, Pastor, what do you believe? Well, it's according to what day it is. <laughs> Some days I believe like the church of God and I'm sanctified. And then somebody cuts me off in traffic and shoots me a bird. And then I realize sanctification is a progressive work. Can I get a witness? They would look over in that, in that brazen lever and there was the mirror and they would wash themselves. And I wanna tell you the word of God is our mirror. We look in the word and whatever the word says to do, we do it. Okay, y'all hang with me. Whatever the word says is wrong is wrong. Whatever the word says to release, we release. If the word says shacking up is wrong, then shacking up is wrong. Okay, it's quiet in here. I'm gonna hurry through this, so don't get too upset. If the word says that marriage is between a man and a woman, then marriage is between a man and a woman. Listen, if you're struggling with your sexuality, we love you, but I can't change what the Bible says about what's wrong and what's right. 
Some of you say, well, don't you know that the Supreme Court just recently, within the last couple of years, has changed the definition of marriage? Let me tell you something. The Supreme Court can do whatever they want to do, but let me tell you what they cannot do. They cannot put Jesus back in the grave. They cannot stop the blood from redeeming. They cannot stop the word from delivering. Let's preach the word. Somebody give the Lord a praise. We must stand as preachers again and preach redemption, preach righteousness, preach on what's wrong and right. This generation will take our silence on the issues as their permission. So we preach the word in love truth and mercy coming together and changing lives so that word changes us then that priest he's been in the outer court he goes into the inner court he's washed himself he's prepared himself and the next thing he sees precious he sees the golden candlestick the golden candlestick is where the oil and the fire collide Oil in the Bible is an emblem of the anointing. And I don't know about you, but I need the anointing in my life. Oil is an emblem of the Holy Spirit. And fire is an emblem of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I still believe that we need the oil and the fire in our churches. Pastor Carl told me he preached on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just bless my heart so much. I'm telling you, we got to get back to oily services. We got to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need the fire again. We don't need to be ashamed of being full of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you say, well, Pastor Rayleigh, you, I watch you preach sometime and, and you spit and you get loud and you sweat, Pastor Rayleigh. I even hear you speak in tongues sometimes on the stage aren't you afraid you're going to scare the seeker listen baby I don't want to scare the seeker I want to make that sucker squirm come on y'all I want him to sit in my church and say I've never seen anything like this before I've never felt anything like this before we've got to talk about the fire and the oil and the power again. We gotta teach it. The Bible said tongues are but for a sign to the unbeliever. I don't wanna relegate the move of God to the back room. I don't wanna not teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that there is still power from on high. I declare and decree in the mighty name of Jesus that America is about to walk headlong into a Holy Ghost outpouring, that there is a new revival, that the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. How about in Orlando? How about in this city? Somebody make a little noise if you believe in the power of God. I want my life, the older I get, I want my life to be oily. Come on, somebody. I want the anointing in my life. I, I want the Spirit of God true and real in my life. Our church, I pastor over in, in Ormond in the Daytona area. And, and, and I'm getting older, but my church is getting younger. Come on, I love that. Come on, somebody. But what I'm seeing is there's a hunger in this generation for the move of God. But we need the anointing. But you know, I, I've seen, 
I've been to conferences before and I've been preaching and I would finish up that conference and, and I've been so blessed to stand in places that have blown my mind through the years and that's not a humble brag, that's just really truly, I've been, I've been shocked at the doors that God has opened for my life. But I would see people preach the same conference as me and folks are throwing money at them. And then, and, and, and I would, I would watch them then after the conference, they would leave and, 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 and they would leave with someone that wasn't their wife. And I would sit there and I would say, what in the world is going on here? See, my wife wouldn't play that. My wife is from Georgia. My wife would kill me. And she's got so much faith, she would raise me from the dead. And then she would kill me again just to watch me die twice. Come on, somebody. I would watch this go on. My heart would be grieved and I'd say, God, what's happening? And the Lord said, it's my people. I said, what, God, talk to me. He said, they don't know the difference between a gift and an anointing. They don't know the difference between a gift and the oil. I said, talk to me, Holy Spirit. He said, when I give someone a gift, he said, I'm not gonna take it back. He said, if I give them a gift to preach, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance or to sing or to worship, that gift, I'm not taking it back. I said, well, Lord, how do you know the difference? He said, watch the people. He said, the people who come in and sit underneath a gift, he said, they're gonna come in in bondage and leave in bondage. They're gonna come in confused and leave confused. They're gonna come in bound and they're gonna leave bound because it has never been a gift that has lifted the heavy burden or destroyed the yoke. That only happens one way. That happens by the anointing. It happens by the oil. I'm telling you, it is the anointing that lifts the heavy burden. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And I feel something in this room tonight. I feel like there is more than a gift at Orlando Faith. I feel like there is an anointing that is breaking people free. Give God a shout if you want the anointing. the oil and the fire. The next stop would be the table of showbread. I'm moving quickly now. I'm getting ready to close. You know what that means? That don't mean nothing, hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor, the table of showbread, bread in the Bible, it represents God's presence and God's word. Showbread could be translated in the Hebrew as show up bread or face bread. I'm at a place in my life where I don't want to do church just for the sake of doing church. I need face bread. I need show up bread. I need his presence. I gotta have him. I can't do this without him. I need his presence. See, this conference is called Awaken. I believe that you guys are having face bread in this moment. It's amazing to me to look and see a crowd like this on Monday night because Pastor Carl and I were talking. It's so rare to see churches do that nowadays. But I think some of you, you didn't come to hear a good singer. Some of y'all don't even know who I am. You didn't come because you think there was a great preacher. You came into this room because you wanted to experience the presence of God. It ain't about Jim Rayleigh, come on. It is about an, it is not about an artist, but it's about a name that is above every name. It is about the word and the presence and the power of the living God. Now watch this. Some pastors, they stand up and they don't sweat. Come on y'all, they perspire. And they're deep. 
They stand up and they don't really preach. They kind of psychoanalyze you. They say, you're suffering from a dramatic dislocation of your emotional processes. Your inability to cope with reality is due to a massive inferiority complex. You're struggling today as an adult because your mother dropped you on your head as a small child. And it has warped your way of thinking. See, I'm so different than that. I would just say, your mama may have dropped you on your head, but I know a God that can heal your head and set your mama free. Come on. We, un- we, we see pastors who are preaching, but nobody is understanding. And the reason why is it was the candlestick, the oil and the fire that illuminated the bread. You could not see the bread without the oil and the fire. And I'm telling you in this room, I feel like God is bringing fresh oil and fresh fire because he's gonna illuminate the bread and this city is gonna be changed by the word of the living God. Somebody give Jesus a great big praise. Now, now watch this. The Bible says in Psalms 133, behold how good and present it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment that came down upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. It has to do of Hermon. It has to do that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded his blessing. Who needs his blessing? Even life forevermore. What this is a picture of is Aaron now receiving that uncommon anointing. Aaron is now being prepared to go behind the veil into the realm of no explanation. He's receiving something uncommon. Is there anybody here tonight who would love to receive something uncommon in your life? that would take you into a new realm of miracles. Now watch this. The Bible said it came down upon the head. Now the head represents humility. Come on, somebody. Because in order for him to receive the anointing, he had to get under it. See, some people will never know an uncommon anointing because they've got too much stinking pride. They won't humble down but I've been made to know the older that I get, the anointing is always greater than the anointed. The oil is greater than the man. The power of God is greater than the man. See, some people, they can't handle it because they're not mature enough. They can't even, come on somebody, they're not humble enough. They won't get down underneath it because the head represents humility. You gotta get under it. There are some people, they can't even handle, they can't even handle a title. Tell them they're a deacon and they lose their mind. Come on. Oh, it's quiet in here now. Tell them they're an usher. This is my place. I'm telling you, I'm the usher here. You got to sit right here. Pastor Carl made me the usher. You sit right here and don't you move. Don't you be no drama in my section. We live in a generation that is drunk on titles. 
People come out to me and say, I'm a bishop. What are you the bishop of? You're working at Chick-fil-A. How are you a bishop? I'm apostle so-and-so. I'm missionary Keisha. What, how are you a missionary? You ain't even been to Disney World. Come on. My name is prophet so-and-so. You don't have to tell me you're a prophet. Open up your mouth and prophesy. I'll tell you whether you're not a prophet. Some of y'all, you run to these prophets and they'll say, I, they say, Carl, they got lines now. They got a $500 line. I'll prophesy over you for $500. I'll prophesy over you for $400. I'll prophesy over you $300. Listen, if you paid $300 to get a word from God from a prophet, you got ripped off. I would have prophesied over you and your whole family for $19.95. The truth is a real prophet does not sell the word. He has fire that is shut up in his bones. God give us prophets. Give us the supernatural. Give us the five-fold ministry. Came down upon the head, even upon the beard. Come on, the beard represents maturity. The head represents humility. Come on now. I travel a lot. I'm, I was just recently in seven states in seven days preaching. People come up to me in airports. Now they say, oh, Pastor Rayleigh. They talk to me in a preacher voice. Pastor Rayleigh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I was at the conference that you preached. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm standing in Starbucks line trying to just... No, Pastor, I want to talk to you. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm like, please stop. You're scaring the children. <laughs> Do you think I use my preacher voice at my house? Do you think I tell my, my son, my 14-year-old son, and you think I say, hey, Peyton, Peyton, I want you to listen to Dad. I want you to get up right now. And I want you to go into the kitchen. <laughs> And in the kitchen, there is, there is a bag of trash. I want you to pick that trash up. It might be heavy, but pick it up. You might get tired, but pick it up. Put it on your shoulder and take it to the road. Don't you stop halfway, but go all the way. Even if you get weary, go all the way. Even if it stinks, carry it all the way. Take it to the road, get it to the curb. And then when you finish on Friday, on Friday, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get, 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 get ready, get ready. There's a $5 breakthrough coming your way. That's not the anointing. The title is not the anointing. The voice is not the anointing. We, we've made all these things the necessary things. That's not. What's the most necessary? I believe it's the process. I believe number one, to walk in an uncommon anointing. We build our lives around the presence of God. I believe number two, 
to walk in an uncommon anointing, we come through the camp of praise. We learn to just praise the Lord when it's going good, when it's going bad, when it's going right, or even when it's going wrong. <laughs> I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be in my mouth. You come through one door. Jesus is still the answer. Church, I said Jesus. If Jesus can't do it, it can't get done. One door. All right. We come to the brazen altar, the blood, the cross. We come to the brazen lever. It's the word. Come on. We come to the golden candlestick. It's the oil. It's the fire. It's the Holy Ghost. We come to the table of showbread. It's the word of God. It's the presence of God. It's the face bread. It's that place where we go and say, Lord, I'm not just seeking your hands. I'm seeking your face. I remember when my children were little and I used to rock them. What I wouldn't give for those days. And I'd be looking around. My little Courtney or Channing would grab my face and they would pull my face down because they wanted my undivided attention. Tonight, I just want to reach up and grab his face and say, Lord, I need your attention because there's some things I can't handle and there's some mountains I can't move and there's some issues that I can't take care of. The last station was the table of worship. This table of worship, now I'm closing. This table of worship, it's where it was the altar of worship. It's where the stachyonic and galbalin and frankincense, these, these four ingredients were stirred up and they were caught on fire. And the smoke that rose represented the worship of the people of God. That high priest would stand by there now. He's about to have this uncommon anointing. He, I feel the Holy Spirit. He's about to have this uncommon anointing poured over him. And he's standing at that table of worship. And you know, he's wore these beautiful clothes. He's wore jewelry. He's wore a crown. He's wore jewels. He takes it all off. And he strips down into his linen ephod. He takes off his crown. He takes off his jewels. And he stands there at that table of worship. And he says, the next place I go is not about me. I'm going to slip behind the veil. It's not about my crown. It's not about my name. It's not about me being lifted up. I lay any pride down. And I say, Lord, let me come into your presence. Because I can't do life without you. I can't raise my family without you. I can't make it through this storm without you. I can't deal with this issue without you. I can't survive in this marriage without you. I can't make it through this season so I strip all this pride and all this mess off of me. And you know what would happen? That priest, 
that priest would stand there and he would take coals off of the altar. Now there was a veil and the veil was in front of the, the Holy of Holies. That was the realm of no explanation. He would put some of those incense, he would put some of that, that smoky, the, those incense and that would produce that smoke, he would put it in the censer and he would thrust it behind the veil and then he would be dripping in that oil that was poured over him, that uncommon anointing and he would slip behind the veil dripping in oil in an atmosphere of worship. I want to tell you that tonight God spoke to me that he wants to release in Orlando faith an uncommon anointing. That this is a season that this church is going to see miracles. This is a season where the unexplainable is going to happen. Pastor Carl, I believe cancer is going to dry up. I believe marriages are going to be restored. I believe children are going to be saved. I believe lives are going to be changed. I believe depression is going to lift. I believe hope is going to be released. And you'll look at it and you'll say, how did it happen? There was a supernatural realm that you accessed with everybody standing across the room. Before I finish tonight, I dare you right now, if you received anything from the word tonight, one, two, three, I want you to give God an ovation of praise. Come on. Come on. If you receive the process, if you receive the process, Open your mouth and give God praise. I don't know that I can lay hands on everyone tonight, but I know this. God wants to release an uncommon anointing in this house. How many of you say, Pastor, I want that in my life. I want that in my family. I want that over my children. I want that in my church. Come on, wave at me right now. Wave big. If that's you, say, I want it. I want it. Here's what we're going to do as best you can. If you want that, I want you to come right here to the front. I want you to come right here to the front. Come on, make a move. Make a move. We're going to spend the last couple of minutes. Come on. It ought to be 100%, but I just challenge you. If you want to come, precious, why don't you come right now? Why don't you come? Because there's a season shifting, anointing about to be released. There's a door open, anointing about to be released. There's a body healing, anointing about to be released. There's a mind blowing, anointing. Come on, it's about to be released in this room. Oh, we bless your name, Lord. 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 Uh, now, now, isn't it something? Where, where, Pastor John, step up here. That that last station was a was a station of worship. Now we're going to release something in this room from another world. We're going to release a last day's real deal, uncommon anointing in this place. But here's what I know. That last station was worship. You had to open up your mouth there. You have to worship. You couldn't get behind the veil until you worshiped. That uncommon anointing never hit you until you worshiped. 
And what we're going to do right now, we're at the last stop. We've, we've built our lives around him, come on. We've come through Judah, we've come through the door. We're washed in the blood, we believe in the word. We want the oil, we want the fire. But now we gotta worship. Now we gotta open our mouth. So what I wanna do is open up my mouth and begin to worship the Lord. Worship in the spirit, worship with understanding. Come on, faith. Lord, I worship you. Come on, worship with me, son. Lord, I worship you. I magnify your name. Nobody like the Lord. Who we magnify you to. Nobody like the Lord. So glorious Lord. Nobody like the Lord. Something shifts when we worship the Lord. Something shifts when we worship the Lord. King of glory. King of glory, we worship you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Searched all over. We searched all over. Searched all over. We searched all over, God. And we couldn't find anyone like you. No one as great as you are. No one that can do what you've done. No one who can be what you've been. Oh, God, you are God all by yourself. Come on, we're about to pray. You must take us in, son. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hands. I feel like Pastor Carl. God is about to pour an uncommon anointing over people. We're about to move into the realm of no explanation. We're moving from the outer court to the inner court into the Holy of Holies. You're standing right now at the table of worship, but God is about to take you behind the veil. And I'm telling you, you won't be able to explain how your children were saved how that lump dried up in your body, how that cancer left you, how that season shifts, how that door opened, but there's something uncommon coming your way. I feel in my heart like heaven is opening over this room right now. And I want you to raise your hands and I want you to pray this after me. When we say the word now, when we say the word now by faith, I believe that fresh oil is gonna be poured all over this room. 
I believe that God is going to anoint you with an uncommon anointing. And that uncommon anointing is gonna bring miracles in your life. If you're ready, shout, I'm ready. Pray this after me. Now remember when we say now, God is going to release it. I believe he's gonna release it all over this room. So pray this after me, pray Heavenly Father. Come on, shout it out, pray Heavenly Father. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I come to you now and I'm asking you Lord, I need fresh oil. I believe in your power. I build my life around you. I praise your name. I believe you are the door. I am washed in the blood. I believe your word. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in your presence. And I lift my hands and I worship you. Lord, I need miracles. Lord, I need supernatural breakthrough. But I need your anointing. I need your uncommon anointing. Take me, Lord, where I've never been. Get ready, say, Lord, I receive tonight in Orlando, Florida, an uncommon anointing. Are you ready? Say, I receive it. Say, Lord, pour it on me. Lift your voice. He's pouring it out. 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 Pouring it out. I don't have to touch you. He's pouring it on you now. He's pouring it on you now. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it.
For the Lord would say unto you tonight that I have released an uncommon anointing over your life. Prepare your way, for I am bringing miracles, says the Lord. I am bringing the unexplainable. I am manifesting my power in your life. You will see the unexplainable and you will give my name all the glory. If you receive it, come on, give God a praise. Come on and give the Lord a praise. We're gonna do one more thing. I just feel in my spirit we ought to do this and then I'm gonna release this to our pastor tonight. But I want you to tell two or three people around you, tell them, say, my shout makes me dangerous. Come on, tell, tell, tell that other person that didn't believe you, look at him and say, my shout makes me dangerous. We, 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 we're gonna finish this in warfare. We're gonna let the devil know that we received something tonight. We're gonna let hell know we ain't playing. Now watch this. Things happen when the people of God shouted. When they shouted, their enemies got confused. When they shouted, their enemies turned on each other. But let me tell you something here. I'm gonna give you a little revelation in 30 seconds. We always, when we pray, we say, we're gonna bind that devil and we're gonna send that devil back to hell where he's from in the name of Jesus. Send that devil back to hell. And that's good preaching, but it's not good theology. Because in reality, the devil's not in hell. He's gonna be placed in hell by one angel that is unnamed. Not even an archangel. Come on, the, the devil ain't, doesn't have any power. Come on, somebody. But right now, the Bible says the devil is the prince of the power of the air. Now watch this. He exists, the Bible says, in the firmament. Firmament. Now there are three heavens. There's the first heaven, which is the earth. The second heaven, which is the firmament, which is the sky. And the third heaven is where the throne room is. Now Satan exists in the firmament. If you don't believe me, remember when Daniel had his prayers held up for 21 days by a demonic force, the prince of Persia, that was in the firmament. Now, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. Come on, somebody, the firmament. But how many of you know a king is greater than a prince? Now, watch this. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. Now, I read something just recently that made me excited about giving God a shout. A scientist said these words. He says, there's something about the sound of a human shout that shreds the air. The Holy Spirit told me every time my people shout unto God with a voice of triumph, they shred the devil's kingdom. Shred his kingdom. Shred it over your family. Shred it over your house. Shred it over your city. There's an awakening in this church. Shred the devil's kingdom. Give God a shout. 
God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God bless you guys. How many of you are ready Praise to walk God. in an uncommon anointing and see miracles? Praise God. Let's give the Lord another hand of praise. Praise you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I could just feel the firmament just open up and have it released on Orlando. Praise God. Now listen, I know that there are many in this building that during this incredible message, especially here toward the end, your heart stirred you, the Holy Spirit touched you, and you accepted Christ. You gave your life back to Christ. There's going to be a number on the screen up here. And if you prayed that prayer, you recommitted your life to God. Hold on just a minute. We'll, uh, we'll be finished in just a second. But if you committed your life to Christ, why don't you text your full name to that number? Is it up there? Yes. Text your full name to that number, and we're going to know that you've accepted Christ or returned to the Lord, and we're going to send you something. So text that number. Take your phone out right now. And then, boy, Pastor Jim, I'm going to remember this one too, as long as I live. So uh, I've got two under the belt with him that uh, I'm going to remember forever. Praise God forever. And listen. Uh, we're going to turn these guys loose again on, in worship in just a moment. And let me say, under this great and powerful anointing, if you've never been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit with that heavenly language, that prayer language, now's your time. All right, now's your time. Pastor John is going to lead us again. Don't you leave this place, this anointing, until you're praising him in that heavenly language. Amen. Lead us, Pastor John. God bless you guys. <laughs>